Ah, here we go. Already ready for another Transformers Chronicles. I know everyone's revved up and ready to go this time. Hey, you're here. Good. Yep, right here. Revved up and ready to go. Where's John? He's not here. He, he's not revved up and ready to go. Maggie? Nope. I don't see her. Well, we can't do a show with just two people. It ruins the dynamic of... We can't have just two people. Yeah. If you want my body and you think I'm sexy. Hey, guys, I am here to microchip in. Hey, I mean, if no one else is here. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. We have rooms up in LBCHQ. Uh, let's go to the attic. Mary Jane, I told you that was only an eight time thing. Oh, Delvin. Hey, man. Hey, hey, what's going on, man? Hey. So, yeah, you wanted to show with us? Press pause on that movie you're watching? Uh, Transformers? Heck yeah, I'm in. I mean, you know, if only to set Pat straight on how to say organ correctly. Um, J- Jeff, I got it. It's organ. One, I'm not Jeff. And two, that's not right. Uh, look, guys, sure? guys, settle it on the show. We have three now. Is there anyone else left in LBCHQ I can get? Delvin, I'm right here. You can literally see me. I've been here the whole time. Jared? Clinton? Jean Jean? Podcasting machine? I read the book and everything. Does, does anyone have Alan J. Porter's number? Van, Van Allen Plexico? Joe November? Megatron can fly! Oh! oh. <laughs> Why are you saying in the first place? Well, <laughs> we have ourselves a crew for the show. And our first show without John means a hodgepodge crew and the introduction of the mechanic right here on Transformers Chronicles, the Marvel years. Transformers Chronicles, the Marvel years. Hello and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I'm Delvin, aka the Dark Web, and in case you're new to the show, howdy, welcome, and let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going on a wild, crazy ride, chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, the Transformers, but I will not be going at it alone. First up, a man who, despite his lifelong love of comics, has never encountered Marvel's Transformers until now. He wants to see what's all the fuss about. With these robots in disguise, he is the founder of Longbox Crusade. His name is Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. What's up, Pat? Uh, not much, Delvin. What's up with you? Eh, you know, same old stuff. Yeah. Moving, you know, just like I do every podcast. I, I didn't mm-hmm. tell you that, but like I move house to house every podcast. This is oh, like, really? yeah, 26 times. Yeah, couldn't tell. Are you moving right now? Well, not right now, like right this minute. That would take a talent I don't possess, but I happen to be moving this past weekend, and yeah. it's exhausting. I'm tired, but I'm ready to talk Transformers, that's for sure. Anything yeah. happening with you? Well, it's, uh, things that have transformed in my life, uh, this month is a busy month for me. Uh, I would say probably good four transitions are happening for me in this month. Four? Does anybody, yes. Four transitions that are happening to me in this month. Okay. What's the first? First is, it's my, as we're recording, it's my birth month. So I transitioned over to another cycle. Nice. Happy birthday. Of a year. Yep. yep. Thank you. We're on the sun. Um, my second is I celebrated 20 years at work. Dang. So that's a, nice. Yep. nice. 20 Two years decades. at work. Holy cow. 
third transformation is my son is graduating high school. Oh, nice. Nice. days. Yeah. About to be an empty nester there. Was that? About to be an empty nester there. Just about. Well, yeah. Well, that's where the fourth comes in. My daughter is done with college, so now she's moved back home for the summer. (laughs) But it's not really summer. It's only for a few weeks as she's getting transitioning into an apartment now. So lots of things changing here at uh, Casa de Cristatos. Yeah, that is a lot of stuff, man. Nice. House of Cristatos. Congratulations on graduating college and graduating high school. And thanks for the education in Spanish. Ah, okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> since we already hear him talking, you know, it's not a surprise that, Pat, we have a returning guest. Uh, Long Lost Crusaders know him as the co-host of Action Film Face-Off, the pop-up YouTube show Wild Weasel, and so much more, Jason Albrecht, a.k.a. Weasel Skull. Welcome back, Jason. Oh, it's good to be back, Delvin. You know, I just sit and I wait to get that call. Get that call. Be Bravo team leader in Joe Chronicles. Get the call to come out and help out on Transformer Chronicles. This is uh, this is fun. This is what I live for. Jason's kind of like waits on Cybertron, waiting for us to call and say, "Hey, you got to come through the gate." That's right. That's right. And I well, just, I just know that. See, I learned later, something. One of you is going to go through the gate, you know, through the defenses in your fortress, and I'm just going to like sneakily follow you in. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, do, do you want any special code name? And we we discussed this. I mean, I can get into this, or we we don't have to. Like, I, I mean, I told you, don't give me no GoBot code name. I just don't I want a GoBot code name. But now I feel like I have to give you a GoBot code name. How about uh, Leader Bravo? This, this is this was kind of like a Leader medical. One. Yeah, You're Leader, Leader One. No, Leader Bravo. Leader Bravo. This is what I want to be called because this was a. Um, this was very much a medically centered uh, issue uh, featuring Ratchet. And there was some guy named First Aid. We'll get into that later. But I want to be Dr. Tin Medicine Autobot. <laughs> that takes too long to say, hilarious as it is. So leader one is going to be. Now, I got a question, though. Like, I wasn't here when you were here uh, because we swapped. I went to Action Film Face Off. And you came to Transformers Chronicles. So did they ask you about your favorite Transformer and all of that stuff when you were here? I believe they did. Yeah, I think um, the I think if I remember right, I think my favorite uh, Transformer, I always like Starscream, the Decepticon. I just thought he was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Cool. That works. And right. you did ask me back on the show. We wanted you last issue. Technical issues happened. And so we have you here, and that works out just great. Welcome. Yeah, looks like I missed a couple things. Yeah, thing or two. Thing or two, yeah. Huh? We've had quite a few events happening, but we have one more person to introduce. That would be Rick, not Jeff, Heineken. Long Boss Crusaders know him as the host of Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. I said it. Fully the first time I didn't trip up. I'm very happy. Uh, the rest of the podcast land knows him also as the not Jeff half of Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. And I guess I can ask you some questions since I know this is your first time on the show. Yeah. Who is like, well, actually, what was your introduction into Transformers? Like, just as, as a whole. Well, being a child of the 80s, I was weaned on the cartoon. That was my bread and butter. That's what I got up on. That's what I got home from school at a certain time to make sure I could watch. And I was all about it. I was in the theater, but in seat in a theater to see 
Optimus Prime die on the big screen. And, mm -hmm. and I was in absolute tears. I was crying watching him die and all my favorite Transformers die. And then I spend the rest of the uh, movie going, Tee -hee! they said cuss words, Tee -hee! Yeah. they said cuss words, because that was awesome. You know, just seeing your chip cuss. I mean, come on, it was right there on the screen. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. So um, loved the toys, loved watching the TV show. By the time I got into comic books, I never got into Transformers comic books. I, I look at them, kind of flip through them a little bit and like, eh, I'm heading down a different path at this point. So mm -hmm. I, I, I missed a lot of that when I was younger. And I've. I've recently been picking up the IDW stuff and going through that. But as a kid, I was all about that cartoon. I was all about those toys. Nice, nice. And since you talked about the toys, uh, what was your favorite one? Maybe two. Well, I did not have him as a kid, but I always, always wanted me a Soundwave. Yeah. And I'm sitting here holding up, holding up the, uh, the reissue of Soundwave right now. And I got him and I got all of his cronies up there. I got the two flyers actually in the ceiling flying above me up there. Nice. I got him up there with my other favorite one. I've got, um, my prime, which is another one I was, didn't have as a child, but he was my other favorite one. But when I was, uh, dating in my twenties, one of my ex girlfriends, she gave me one of her brother's old toys. An OG Ooh, Megatron. Look at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this wait, is up there as well. Wait, I mean, you know, not to disparage, you know, the current Mrs. Heineken, but I mean, why, why'd you let her go? She gave uh, she you was, Megatron. She was crazy. <laughs> she gave me Megatron. Yeah, but <laughs> and she why didn't me. you? Did you try to ask her for more? I did actually. I said, "Well, this is awesome, but are there any other ones?" Uh, they were selling a bunch of the his old toys at their church bazaar and they had a problem selling a toy gun i don't know why so mm. so mm. i said yes i will take that off your hands I, that right there is telling me that you did not go to a church in the south like i did anyway <laughs> like this gun slays satan <laughs> <laughs> things are different in oregon oh yeah <laughs> we be liberal over here <laughs> All right. The purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one, working our way to the series and at issue eight. We'll answer any questions that are brought to the best of our ability and see how these books we loved as a kid hold up to our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So, fellas, let's say goodbye to a hero and a hello to the mechanic right after this promo. The Transformers will return after these messages. Monthly, monthly, monthly. It's Action Film Face-Off. Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Action Film Face-Off! <laughs> yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face-Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL! Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence wing. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris. 
technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet, but it could happen because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it. We use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our video dome arena. It also has spikes. It does not have spikes. <laughs> but we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. <laughs> Jason is not fighting a bear, but please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade, or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face-Off. We do, indeed, invite you to come and see The Blood Fly. I just said that. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue 26, and here is Rick with the cover description. The corner box features Optimus Prime and the Marvel 25th logo, which I find to be in poor taste. I mean, the guy is dead. Let's recognize this. Have him laying down with a mechanical lily on his chest or something. Maybe in alt mode with the hood open or him jacked up and a wheel off. What? What? Too soon? Too, too soon? Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Not time. Uh, time. I, I, Sorry, sorry. Uh, so on the cover, we have a field of battle and the fallen warriors lay in a pile ready to be burned for their gods. Blaster, first aid, ratchet, perceptor are stacked in a shadow of purple, red, and pink metal junk, all depicted on a foreground of blue sky and a yellow ground floor, representing Odin and Baldur, respectively. In front of this carnage, you have the mechanic, a human man from Midgard, built of good stock, Thick in bone, but not to find muscle. Holding two large laser rifles in honor of the fallen god Scourge. Like the executioner who held back the throngs of hell and stood on the piles of the dead, this mortal man proudly holds these weapons and mocks his fallen opponents. He has on a green jumpsuit with a belt that has two pouches filled with tools. He has overly large purple-tinted goggles. His permanent four-day beard growth shows his rugged, warrior-like attitude. The caption text, starting at the top and ending at his feet, proclaims, Introducing the mechanic, no job too big or too small. There you go, guys. Based off of that description, I kind of want to read your Tinder profile. (laughs) 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 All right. So thank you, Rick, for that excellent cover description. Um, I don't know whether to be like, you know, partially aroused or just very impressed. In any event. I I will take I will take both. I will take both. (laughs) He likes likes big and he likes small. Not some all. Little from column B. Nice. Since I heard you talking, Jason, uh, let's talk about the cover here. What do you think about it, man? All right. Let me grab this thing back up here again. Take a look at it up close. I like it. I didn't know who the mechanic was. I thought per 
perhaps he might be kind of the guy that was going to come in and save Optimus Prime, but apparently not. Um, I like how he's standing in the foreground. He's got the Autobot weapons there, and the pile of Autobot wreckage in the back is pretty cool, actually. So uh, even though I didn't know who this guy was, and he doesn't, like, he looks like me. You know? There you um, go. You can cosplay him. I could. I could cosplay the mechanic. I think I could get away with that. Um, I think her trivia did a fine job, though, so I like it. Sweet. Let's uh, pass it over to Pat. Like Jason, I don't know who the mechanic is, so I wasn't sure. I'm like, are they bringing this guy in to help him, to fix somebody? You know, kind of what's going on here, but he's got some guns, so I I don't know. Uh, I I think the color choices are pretty cool. Having to go from, you know, light blue, purple in the background with the Autobots all kind of crumbled up and uh, just laying down. And then him with the green that really strikes out with holding the guns and just like, hey, here I am. I'm the mechanic. No job too big. No jobs too small. So, but yeah, I don't know much about him. Don't you know? know anything about him uh, at this point. We haven't opened the book technically, but we have to hear from Rick first. Rick, what do you think? Yeah, I hate to be the day sir on it, but. I was looking at this going, hey, we got a human that apparently either took down or he's he doesn't really look like somebody there to fix the robots because he's got the smoking guns. So I'm like, so he's just taking down these robots. So he's apparently a big deal. And I'm really not impressed. I I don't know. There's nothing about him that screams impressive. Uh, Like (laughs) like uh, Jason said, uh, he looks like me. So. I'm not scared of me. I'm not scared of Jason. I'm not scared of this guy. Um, but he, I did find it hilarious thinking about it and looking at him and saying, he does look a lot like Scourge holding the two M16s in that Thor 363 issue. So I was like, that's kind of cool, but I'd rather have Scourge standing over dead bodies. So, I kind of liked it though because he had like the pelvic thrust going out. Yeah, he's like, got the pelvic thrust. I mean, so I, I don't know. I just, I wasn't as sold with this cover. I like kind of like the shading in the background with the pinks, purples, and reds, but eh, I wasn't as, as really grabbed as the rest of you guys. Uh, so, Rick, oh, are sorry. you saying maybe all you need is a miracle for this cover to be something? I may just be a miracle. <laughs> yeah, I, I got you, Pat. I'm here. I got you. I got you. I'm here for you. There's more to come. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear me running? <laughs> Can you hear me? So yeah, what I think about the cover is I'm not I'm not sure. I would say that especially given that in issue 24 of the Transformers, Optimus Prime was blown up, and in issue 25 of Transformers, Megatron went crazy, and there was just this ridiculously pitched battle. And then issue 26 starts, and you have this dude and a pile of Autobots behind him, and it's like. Whoa, okay, how could this human do that to a bunch of robots that are much, much bigger than he is? And so, at least with Bob Budiansky's history so far, he's put humans in these interesting positions with the Transformers. So, uh, would I be intrigued enough to pick up this book, um, having seen things? I, I, at this point, you know, a little bit over two years in, I'd give Bob Budiansky credit that he would be going somewhere with it. So, yeah, I would get it based off of that, but I am a bit of a homer, I must admit. I mean, after all, podcasting about the whole damn series. 
But in any event, here at Transformers Chronicles, we rate things on a scale of 1 to 10, just like the tech specs of old, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. And we will start with Pat on his rating for this cover. I am going to give this one, I'm giving it a six. Okay. Yeah. If I knew a little bit more now that I know about the mechanic, but my first look, I'm like, okay, don't know much about this guy. So it's an okay cover. Okay. Got it. Got it. Uh, Let's pass over to Rick. Yeah. That's what I had written down in my notes as well. Six. I'm willing to give it, it's passable. I don't hate it. So it's at least over a five, but yeah, I just am not going much higher than that six. I just, there's nothing that really screams at me that I want to pick this up. That's just yeah. not All that right. interesting. Got it. Jason. Yeah, I was at a six as well. Uh, like I said, it's not exactly an action filled comic. That's going to grab your attention with a bunch of uh, a list uh, Autobots or Decepticons on it, but the pile of, uh, robots in the background and this new guy had had me interested I'm, I'm on the opposite spectrum of you delvin i'm not a homer but i was actually interested to see oh what's going on here is he helping these robots is, is he destroying these robots i didn't know so it, it was enough to grab me so i'll give it a six okay and just to break it up a little bit i'll go one more uh with a seven i think it's well drawn i like that and rather than necessarily you know poo-pooing uh the mechanic um, and what he may or may not be, but we're about to find out. I do like the cover and that is well drawn. Poor Blaster, he can't seem to get on a cover without getting chopped up or beaten up. Uh, and they had some pretty good drawings of the other robots. And at this point in the book, I think it's important enough that if you're going to have these robots and these characters, that you should have someone that's drawing them relatively decently. So maybe that's my problem is looking at them all one color and all that. I'm like, I don't know who's who. Maybe if they colored them a little, I would understand who's, you know, you just said Blaster. I'm like, I don't know which guy is he in, in this pile of guys. I don't know. Well, you, yeah. don't, you don't really know Blaster yet, even though he's the one right smack dab in the middle. In the middle? Behind him. Okay. a couple of his adventures at this point. And yeah. it's not much of a spoiler to say that you're going to be reading much more of Blaster's adventures in the very near future. I uh, recognize them in the comic when as we read it. Mm-hmm. But looking at this, when I first looked at the cover, I was like, I don't know who these people, who these robots are. It, it took me a while to figure out that that was Perceptor there. I actually had him down as Jetfire because I was trying to match him up with what I was seeing from mm-hmm. other characters in the in the book with the head because that's really the only thing I can tell. I can tell. But then early on, I saw or I saw Perceptor keep being used, and I was like, oh yeah, that that does look a little bit like him. Uh-huh. But yeah, it, it took me a while to kind of untangle the bodies and figure out who was who. A lot of flipping back through the comic a little bit to figure them out. So yeah, that's another problem I've got with it too. It's they're all three colors and none of them are it helps you it doesn't help you recognize them. Yeah, I think, you know, we're going for a well, they were going for a color wheel type thing, which colors popped and which colors didn't. It looks like that that was a very intentional choice to have the mechanic being in a green. And then the background being mostly that pastel color with a orange, mm-hmm. orange below and the blue up top. We have no artist with us. I was gonna say, yeah, if only we had a color wheel expert. I know, but well, I think you're, I think you're onto something, Delvin, because in the interior content, he doesn't wear that green jumpsuit. He's wearing, he, he wears blue, I think. You know, so I think, I think you're right. I think the artist wanted to 
put kind of the the purple shading in the back and then the green use the green jumpsuit because it was opposite on the color wheel i'll bet jared's not yeah here, I'm, but I, I'm, I'm looking at a, i'm looking at a uh website that kind of shows it and yeah you got the purple red and pink kind of on the opposite side of the greens and so yeah you are getting that opposite effect there let's turn it over to pat who's going to tell us the credits for the issue all right Delvin. Thank you. Let's go ahead and get into some credits for this issue. It's Transformers number 26. Its on-sale date was December 16th, 1986, but its cover date was March 1987. Its cover price was 75 cents. Story goes to Bob Budiansky. Pencils, Don Perlin. Inks is Brett Breeding. Colors is Neil Yamtov. Letters, Janice Chang. Editor is Don Daly, and cover credits go to Herb Trimpey. Uh, this is all thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics and tfwiki.info. Thanks, Pat. Let's go ahead and get to the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the The title of this issue was Funeral for a Friend. So after the disappearance of such a prominent Decepticon such as Megatron, this issue would logically be about how the Decepticons are going to deal with the fallout of said disappearance. Not so fast. That's issue 27. And this is not issue 27. This is issue 26. Quit skipping ahead. No one likes a cheater. We instead find out what the Autobots are going to do with Optimus Prime, and more specifically how Ratchet deals with it. See. Ratchet has a case of the mopes due to not being able to fix Optimus back into the land of the living and really not being able to repair any of the fallen Autobots back to fully operable status. Like Gears, a whole boy fell off a cliff in like issue three and Ratchet just threw his butt in the stasis pod. After some Shawshank Redemption-esque advice from medical officer First Aid, Ratchet goes to a nearby junkyard for parts while the rest of the Autobots gather to say goodbye to Optimus Prime. The action of the book revolves around Ratchet getting into Bumblebee issue 16-like shenanigans with a two-bit thief called the Mechanic, running a car smuggling ring. With the unwitting help of Ratchet, the Mechanic escapes the cops, finds out where the Ark is, steals a mechanism from the Ark that allows him to turn the Ark's defenses on the returning Autobots and cripples and almost killing Ratchet himself. But Ratchet, quick thinker that he is, saves the day by reviving the Autobot Prowl, whose police car mode scares the mechanic into running away. Although he does still have that mechanism, as well as some ordinance from Ratchet, we may see the mechanic again. Ratchet, for now, wants to get busy helping the living and not fretting over those who have fallen and being blasted off into space like his friend Optimus Prime.
So let's talk about the book. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the comic, starting with, but not limited to, goods, bads, and everyone discusses. We will start with our guest, Rick. All right. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Star Trek 2, because we have a couple of good Star Trek 2 moments here that are setting up for, I'm sure, something in the future. That's just my guess. They take Optimus Prime's body, slap him on a big old missile, and shoot him off into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, just like, yeah, that that that's right out of the end of Star Trek 2. But Rick, oh Rick, yes. out of all the Autobots I've ever Say met it. in all my travels. Say it. This was the most say it human. <laughs> and I will forever be your friend. That's it. <laughs> this is not a tracker talk. I want to say it's a good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rip on it too much. Some of the scenes with Optimus Prime were really good. I think they were very touching, and I think if you're going to use something, go ahead and use this. I do have some questions about it. I mean, especially since he pulls out a couple of broken Autobots and like, well, I still got to fix this one. It's like, okay, you couldn't fix him before. You put him off to the side and then you eventually get something to fix the person. Why not the same with Optimus Prime? I mean, yes, you spend a lot of time working on him. You're just going to say, I'm done. Shoot him off into space. And okay. the cop, the, the, the police uh, car, uh, yeah. Autobot, uh, What's his name? Wow. Prowler? Prowler? Prowler. Prowler. Yeah. All he needed was some flashing lights? Yeah! Chekhov's, <laughs> I call it Chekhov's roof lights. <laughs> he gets Chekhov's roof, roof lights in Act 1 and bring it back on the end of Act 2. Here we go, look, plop that on. You're fixed. That's all you Sorry. needed. A good light. Sorry, brothers, I can't fight without my roof lights, man. <laughs> I can't, it's kind of like the ticks and tennis. He starts walking and falls down. It's like, ah, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm sure there are other things that probably needed, not just the headlights, but that's all he got. (laughs) Anyways, that's what I had. Okay. Jason. Well, I'm going to focus on the art a little bit. Um, You know, actually in the, the issue that I was supposed to guest on, which I think was the previous one, I actually did read it. And I thought as, as I was looking at it, I was like the interior art is actually better than the cover on 25. And I'm thinking that again, here with this one i was just really impressed by number one as jared always says robots are really hard to draw and they do a great job um packing them into these panels they've got action scenes when they're um getting shot at by the base defenses they've got scenes where they're standing all around the scene where they have optimus prime on the little coffin ship uh i thought that that was really well drawn Plus, you just had incredible backgrounds of complicated machinery in the base, complicated interiors uh, within Ratchet. You had the junkyard, which I thought was really well depicted. Uh, The starry night background uh, out in the desert. So just a ton of different backgrounds, different action scenes, different static scenes, and it all just looks beautiful. I thought it was really impressive how this book was put together artistically. Well, Don Perlin's been on the book for a minute, um, and the anchor was new. Brett Breeding was not a name that we've said before in Transformers Chronicles, so that anchor was new, but there was on page two of the book where they kind of did the roll call of the Autobots who were there monitoring 
whether or not Optimus Prime was going to make it through his surgery. And even with the roll call, so they had to draw, I mean, unofficial count, about 20 or so Autobots, of which were all drawn very separately, distinctly. Uh, and you could tell e- who each one of them were. So it was a very well done job just on those three panels alone. Yeah, they, it was with really the coloring. Good. It was helpful. Yeah, absolutely. It was really good coming out of the gate, and it never let off through the whole book. I didn't see a panel where it looked like there was a shortcut taken, or it looked like a pretty much a labor of love there between the both the penciler, the inkist, and the colorist, as Pat pointed out. And I think that starts off right with the first page too, going with the surgery that's been happening, all of the medical equipment there, and a gallery of robots watching. Once again, very distinctly drawn. You can tell individual faces. And that's nine, 10 robots right there that are up in the gallery and they are the least part of the scene. So that page right there is amazing for that. And then just consider, you know, of course, this is more to the story than the art. Said Ratchet had been working on Optimus Prime for 238 hours straight. That is about 10 days. That's two hours shy of 10 freaking days that he worked straight and all of them sat there and watched. Yeah. So, that is a machine, man. He's a machine. He is a machine. And my goodness, that's uh, the artwork added to the weight of that moment in that situation, I think is a good, fair point to say. Uh, Pat, what do you have? Well, since we're kind of talking about, you know, the death of Optimus here, um, and, and kind of this is what this issue is somewhat about, you know, I just wanted to say this is that, you know, I wasn't there that morning when Optimus passed away. I didn't get to tell him all the things I had to say. I think I, I caught his spirit. Later that same year. I'm sure I heard his echo in my new Jetfire's Toys Tears. I just wish I could have told him in my living years. I miss him. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it loud. I'm going to say it clear. All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To admit the Transformers are more than meets the eye. All right. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else besides that extended bit? <laughs> Y'all missing John and Maggie yet? <laughs> I, I, one of one of them is supposed to keep Pat in. Yes. On Ron, no. Ron. No one's keeping me on the here. But I'm gonna talk about the character moments here. This is definitely a ratchet issue. Um, we've had a ratchet issue before early on that I remember. And so we get to see Ratchet more in his element, his doctor element. And I really, uh, really enjoyed it. I think, like you said, Delvin, him pouring over for 200 and some, you know, 10 days of hours just trying to put Optimus back together. And they stayed that, you know, he was in pieces because now they had to put them all back together and then see if he can get them to come alive again. Uh, and then just not being able to do that in front of all these other people that were hoping he could do it too. So he's kind of feeling really defeated. And I think this is a good story that helps move, you know, move him from feeling defeated to, um, as first aid said, you know, you need to stop thinking about the dead and we're here as people to help, uh, with people that are living. 
you know, it's not saying you forget to them, but you, in to honor them, you can learn from that and help the living, which he does. Yeah. And in return, it's help saves him. So I think there's a really great character moment for Ratchet. Yeah, I think that was that was tough because if anyone's watched any medical show ever, there's always been that crisis of conscience of some doctor on the show where it's like, I can't save everybody, no. And they have to have that moment where they realize like, well, no, you can't save everyone because you're human. And people die, unfortunately. That's what happens. And nearly the same beats were used here when it came to Ratchet, where he's like, well, I can't, I'm seeing my friends drop around me and I can't do anything. And first aid very rightfully said, hey, you can't save everyone, but save the ones that you can. I agree. I think, you know, I think this was a really good character moment. And like you said, it's just, uh, it was a good blend of, of the art and the story particularly the not just the the lesson that ratchet um gives but delvin you touched on it earlier the text uh you know the text boxes that really sets up the situation the text boxes played on the um the images and then you had the despondent ratchet obviously you know yeah, somewhere in the background, first day's like, you suck. <laughs> but but, but uh, the first day comes out and tells him, hey, you know, like like Pat said, I, I just think all of these all of these elements really played together and um, and gave a really good poignant story. So yeah. we've talked a lot about really the first few pages of the book. And yeah. They did a good job in setting up the fact that maybe Ratchet wanted to be by himself and maybe had a reason to be. And that led him to the junkyard where he was sort of trying to get a few parts to maybe help out people because he realized that junkyards are where humans dispose of their mechanical elements, which he had to remember that, you know, those mechanical creatures are not the same as living beings such as the Autobot. And so he put them together and or went there and wound up in this situation with the mechanic. So we'll start it back with Rick. And what what do you guys think about the appearance of the mechanic, what he did to the book? Well, I was going to talk a little bit about where he was from, because I think there's a little bit of, of an issue that I've got here. And that is that the A1 auto parts that they're talking about is actually in the North section of Portland. It's nowhere near where they're talking about on actually Southeast Powell is what they're saying. Cause it's 26. Mm. So there is a Fred's auto removal, but most of the yards, mo- and there's a lot of them down in that Southeast Portland area. Most of them are, are off of Foster road, which is actually South of where they were actually putting it. So I, I've got a real issue with what they're talking about in Portland, Oregon, but, but you were talking about the mechanic. Yes. Right? That, that egregious error aside. Oh, okay. Yeah. That egregious error aside. Um, he was a lucky guy who was able to take control of just unfortunate situations. I don't know if he actually has any real skill other than he knows how to unscrew bolts and he knows how to take advantage of a situation. But as far as skill, I'm still wondering if he actually, yes, quote unquote skill. I'm actually wondering if he actually has any, because everything he's done, it's just been like, Oh, look, Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to follow this. Oh, I'm going to take these weapons off the side of this vehicle. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I wasn't too impressed with the mechanic. I mean, at a minimum, 
he completely outsmarted Ratchet and made his way to the arc. Right. Um, and the more this goes through, I'm thinking that's a very low bar. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a reason why Matt Ratchet is the, the medic and not the leader. Because so, I really... I, I part, there's a part of me that agrees with you. You're not wrong, Rick. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, but Ratchet can put in his memory, or, or excuse me, put in his uh, battle book that I have a win over Megatron. That happened many months ago, but I, mm-hmm. and whether it's by hook or by crook, he defeated Megatron. That is something Bro- that he did. Broken watch twice a day, you yeah. know. <laughs> no, I, that, yeah. I, I'm also reminded of the, the, the Romans whenever they would they would come back and they would have a victory. The the victorious consul when he was going through his victory parade always had a slave that stand behind him and whisper into his ear. All glory is fleeting. Doesn't matter what you did last mm-hmm. time. Only mm-hmm. matters what you do now. Yeah. One thing I was going to say on Ratchet's portrayal is that I think that he did match up, or he seems to match up how he becomes in Lost Light in IDW. It's I can actually see the through line between this characterization and what I've read in the Lost Light. I can see how one be- can beget the other. You know, he's introspective he's a little bit anti-war he's really questioning the things he's done the things he's seen and you see a lot of that starting here as well so but no the mechanic i i was a little unimpressed yeah well you, well, you know uh, every generation blames the one before yes and i'm gonna move it on to- <laughs> 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 we've already done that bit Jason, what do you think uh, about the whole mechanic thing? Yeah, I agree with Rick. I, I think the mechanic was just right place, right time the whole the whole way. I mean, he was about five seconds away from uh, getting busted by the cops, manages to stumble on Ratchet, steal Ratchet. I don't know why Ratchet didn't just like drive off. I'm still trying to figure that one out. And is able to elude the cops because Ratchet uses his tools slash weapons. And then Ratchet's like, maybe he won't notice. Like, maybe he won't notice his laser pop up right next to his head and shoots this police car that he's looking right at. Maybe he won't notice the big thing of ice that shoots out of this this gun right here. The guy noticed, all right? The guy noticed, and he took advantage of it. Um, so, you know, I'll give him props for uh, season on the opportunity. I haven't. I don't think he's a criminal mastermind by any stretch of the imagination, but when he sees an opportunity, mm, 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 does he go for it? And he walked out of there with a laser gun and an ice gun, son. He's yeah. having a good day. And that big old device that can mm-hmm. move very yeah. heavy objects will just look at the wrist. Forgot yeah. about that, yes. See, yeah. I, I think the opposite, somewhat of the opposite of what you guys think. I think he's a very technical guy, that once he sees something technical, uh, whether it be mechanics or something, he can figure it out real quickly and use it to his advantage. He can tactfully think of ways of doing things because once they froze Ratchet, him and the guy, they're like, okay, let's just go sit out and we'll see where this guy goes and we'll follow him where he goes. It wasn't like they were away. He, they were sitting in the van waiting for him to unthaw and, you know, because he's like, oh, I can get some more toys. I just got to figure out where this guy lives. Yeah. Then he gets, he's able to get in, sneak into the base that they were all like, hey, we can all leave now because we got this place locked down. 
no, you don't. This guy can walk right in and do it. So I think yeah, that you bring up a good point. He was smart to to wait for him to thaw out, follow him back to the base. That's I I, I agree hundred percent. And he is really smart when it comes to yeah, the tech. I I just think his downfall is his scaredness of the police or whatever it is. Is like that's where he gets really you know wacky. And they kind of well, they really played that up in the beginning to where it paid off when Prawl came with just the lights. He he also did have the the Megatron. I'm going to really go after something. I'm I'm going to do a lot more monologuing than I should. I should just act and get done mm-hmm. with it. But no, he's got to really rub it in Ratchet's face too. So that's another part of his downfall as well. Yeah, that's true. And he you knows. saw that. You saw that when he was talking to the the guy at the salvage yard too. Mm-hmm. He started mild, you know, kind of being boisterous like that. So, all right, yeah, well, we've already gone two rounds. I'm absolutely willing to go another round if there's anything that anyone else wants to add, Rick. No, I think I got most of it. I I talked about uh, Chekhov's roof lights, and I just wanted to make sure I got that in there. But, no, I, I it was an interesting book. It was fun to read. I have enjoyed what you guys have been doing. I've enjoyed what you guys have been presenting on the show, and it was really easy for me to pick up where this is at, what's going on right now, just from really following along with the show and you know, catching the last issue because you guys haven't released it yet. So it was interesting to see this version of Optimus Prime dying in the funeral for him, which you don't really get in the movie because uh, mm-hmm. it all happens way too fast. And, and there's a lot of other things happening, but you don't get this kind of respect that you see in the movie. And it was nice to see that here in this book. Nice. Nice. Jason? Yeah, I think I covered just about everything. I guess the only thing I haven't said, I kind of hinted at it. It's like, what the heck? Why wasn't uh, first aid out there lending <laughs> a hand to poor Ratchet while Ratchet's been working for 200 and some hours on Optimus Prime? Couldn't he have tagged in, give him like a 10-minute break or something? But they were like going all through the the well, list of uh, Autobots that were there. They were like uh, uh, Killer Bot, uh, Periscope, Peep Show. First aid, surgeon, <laughs> field I, medic. I don't want to know what he paramedic transforms into. <laughs> I'm like, somebody get out there and give this man a break. Holy cow. I think on that, uh, and they state that that first aid has only been there a few weeks. So in their newer forms, their Earth robot forms, Ratchet's probably got the most knowledge on these new forms where first aid probably doesn't. That's my no prize, I guess. Well, look at you with that explanation. I know. Okay. I know. You know, 24 <laughs> issues, 25 issues, you know. <laughs> nice. He's throwing out some knowledge bombs yeah. here. Nice. I like that. I would, would you have thought that after? <laughs> I think he's I think he's earning himself his uh his yeah. his Autobot Watch out, shield there. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's earning his Autobot shield there. Not yeah, bad, not bad. Yes, he is. We might have He's to get to touch for issue eighty. I tell you that much. He keeps that up. Pat, do you have any any last details to add about the book? Yeah, well, let's talk about Optimus' kind of funeral and the send off there. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? So they just launch his body off into space, mm-hmm. and they're expecting it we- to kind of disintegrate somewhere, or you know, kind of like we said, is it going to hit a planet and then it's going to you know everything's going to go around it and. We, we, we already talked about this, Pat. We, we, it's going to hit a planet called Genesis. Mm. A bomb is going to go off there. And 
And then, you know, the evolution is going to grow really fast and, and he's going to go from a little, a little Robot, Mattel, yeah. um, hot wheels to mm-hmm. start with. And then he's going to grow up really, really quickly, you know, up yep. taller until anybody could stop me at any point in time now. I mean, I was until the ladies, until the lady from Cheers goes there and picks him up. I want to say with a hundred percent confidence that Rick is not right. <laughs> and, and the I world was shocked. Of let's say a peek into the future. So Optimus Prime is gone. His body's blasted off into space. So I mean, for now, Optimus is gone. He's dead. His there is there's a shell. Could not mm-hmm. be alive. So they know Mega Supreme is the leader now. I take it. Is that right? Who is? Yeah, that, yeah. That was going to be my question because looking around, none of these people look real leadership material at this. I think point. I got a hint. Interesting. So, none of them look like leaders, leadership material, you say. So, it looks like the Autobots are in need of a leader. Would uh-huh. the safe thing to say? I'm voting mechanic. Mechanic's got the material. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, he does have a big, swarthy, I'm assuming, chest, but probably not good enough for an Autobot emblem. Pat, you were going to say something? Well, I think uh, we kind of saw that with the blurb at the end of the issue who's coming who's coming back the dinobots mm, what about so maybe maybe yeah. grimlock I have was a leader and he had some leader issues so maybe now it's his turn to no. rise mm-hmm. yeah. nope. Nope. Yep. that's what i'm, I'm going for into the decepticons right now <laughs> so that's my theory i don't know interesting theory pat um Looks like that's something that might be coming up very soon. Looks like the Autobots are going to need someone to lead them in some direction. Mm -hmm. And that's really enough to say about that. And I can't help but to say that I'm surprised y'all let it pass when um, the mechanic was sitting in the back of Ratchet's uh, bay and Ratchet, you know, pulled out, you know, the automatic eye spray or whatever and happened. And he was hoping that the mechanic wouldn't observe it that the mechanic did observe it because he can listen as well as he can hear. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, it's time yeah. for... Uh, jokes. talk about who has the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, Autobot, Decepticon, or human. Jason, who had the touch? Transformers issue 26. Kind of gave it away. I got to give it to the mechanic, man. He saw his opportunity. He seized it. He ended up going into the lion's den and walking out with mad treasure. Yeah. This guy is, he went from almost arrested to... Filthy rich, and got to give it up for him. Yeah, to use a quote from a movie, he went from ashy to classy. And now we will go to Rick. Rick, who had the touch? I am actually going to say something we didn't really talk about too much on this, but I want to say first aid. He was a good friend with good advice. 
And in this that, world, yeah. you cannot ask for anything more. He may have had a small you little You can show ask for a 10-minute break. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Ratchet did it. Ratchet didn't. And First Aid respected that. First Aid was there. He was ready to go. But Ratchet's like, no, no. It's all on me. It's all on me. I'm putting all this on my shoulders. That's probably part of the reason First Aid came and said, bro, bro. You, you gotta ask for help. You gotta you gotta take it back a notch. You gotta like not let the world on your shoulders. Yeah. No, I just you know, I like if you just asked me for help, I, right? You, but he didn't say it. But he didn't say it. Still a good friend. He didn't say that. It was implied, but he didn't say it. No, I, I like a good friend who's there with good advice. You know, not pointing out any failures you had. Just a good friend to be there for you. So yeah, first aid. Nice. Looks like you. I heard you say you second that, Pat. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that too. That it's either ratchet or first aid, but I think first aid really had that. You know, those words of wisdom in a time that someone needs to hear. Maybe they and it seemed you know stuff that you'll think about. Oh yeah, the person did say that, and at the time you you kind of blow it off because you're you're not focused on what they're trying to tell you positively, and then it comes to you. And yep, yeah, and and we don't know him that much, so he was definitely more than meets the eye for me. Awesome. And I think I'm going to go with Ratchet, and at least he took the advice that his fellow medical officer gave him, and he overcame what could have been a pretty crippling defeat. I mean, he had a human use his own weapons against him. And if there was a crippling defeat, he was literally crippling. I mean, he was, yeah. he was kneecapped, and he still kept his wits about him. Excuse me, excuse me, I have to point out, uh, since it happened in Oregon, we do call that Tanya Harding. Okay, nice. Uh, so he was he was on thin ice, and he still managed to transform, get to the pod, wound up fixing Prowl, and which wound up turning Prowl turned into a police car and saved the day, and at least chased the major threat away, and also stopped the rest of the Autobots um, from being blown to smithereens by their own defenses. So I'm going to give it to Ratchet. We have talked about who had the touch, but someone had to be out of touch. We talked about the character that was the worst in the book, and they should have to have their well weapons used against them by someone much, much weaker than they are in the segment called Less Than Meets the Eye. Pat, you first. Who's less than meets the eye to you? I'm going to go with the mechanic. I think, you know, he's all that big and all that, but then he's like um, an elephant when the mouse comes by. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on, you're that smart. And you, you got the tool. And you got this tool. About stuff, man. Yeah, you got this tool that you could have just used to smash, pick up that car, and throw it. Got to know when to run, man. So, so he's an run. elephant with a tool. Yeah, tool. Big trunk. Elephant. He had a big trunk. Big trunk. Big trunk. We did. Mm. But the right mice, right mouse came along and scared him off. Jason, who's less than MCI? You know, there was nobody that really stood out as totally pathetic. We we picked on Ratchet a little bit, but you know, we're I'm giving him a pass because everybody was distraught. He was exhausted after 240 hours of trying to put Optimus Prime back together again. So I'm going to give him a pass. I think I'm going to have to give it to Blaster because um, Blaster's the one that. Uh, uh, I think it was Perceptor had to stop him from like literally blowing up their own base. Like, oh, shoot at me, will you? 
Dude, that's our base, man. (laughs) Settle down. (laughs) So I I think Blaster got a little little carried away there. Yeah, leave Wolverine Blaster alone. We're going (laughs) to pass it off to. Don't get stuck. Don't get me started. Don't start me (laughs) I'm just saying that is a very early on Wolverine type move. Rick, lessons to us, sir. Y'all giving him a pass. I'm not giving him a pass. Ratchet, he was a sad sack. I mean, dude, you're a robot. Deal with this flesh bag. You let him get away. You you, you could have just, you didn't even have to stomp on him. You could just like put your hands down and say, okay, I'm not, you know, I've got one finger on your stomach. What are you going to do? 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 Yeah, that's what I thought. He was owned by a human. I mean, come on. He could have, he could have stopped him at any point in time. He knew he was in his trunk. No, ratchet, ratchet, ratchet. I want to see a mechanic doctor corpse team up. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see if it was Boris Corpse. Boris Corpse would have just destroyed all the Autobots because he's just that cool. Yeah, Boris. that's fine. That's Boris Corpse. This yeah, is the mechanic. It is. He don't have the cachet. Okay, that's all I'm saying. It is not. That's true. And see, the one thing I was thinking of, my lesson ECI goes to Perceptor, and it's for like. Opposite reasons, almost, that Jason was mentioning. It's like, did anyone have the great idea of just simply getting the hell out of the way of the guns? <laughs> well, I think that's what we were talking about before. It's like, who's the leader here? There's nobody who's really stepped up into a... Well, it was, it was, well, Perceptor stepped up, and his response was, well, continue to get shot by the weaponry. No, you're absolutely right. Because I, I was oh, like, there is another option. So, so, so he's a first lieutenant. <laughs> Why didn't you just say, come on, guys, let's just back it up a little bit here. Let's back it up a few more inches. I'm ignoring Rick from Oregon's comment there. <clears throat> and moving on. Let's rate the book. One to ten. Ten being the best. One being the lowest. Describe how we feel about this issue. And I'm not quite sure how it's going to go because you guys are kind of new commodities to me as far as at least Transformers Chronicles, not in real life. So I don't know how this is going to go. We'll start with Pat. Pat, what would you rate the book? I'm going to rate it a eight. It had for the, I'm going to rate it an eight for the characteristics going on. Some heart there for Ratchet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mechanic story, eh, that side of it, not so much. But I really liked how they flushed out Ratchet's character a lot more. Sweet. Let's pass it to Rick. Yeah, I was looking at this, and originally, as a conversation started, I was looking at a six. But there's a couple points that I didn't really take into consideration, especially the art. And I, I, even though I bagged on Ratchet, I did like the beginning parts of the book with him in it and some of his reconciliation at the end. But what really pulled it down and was really weighing it down brought me to that seven was I came here for some robots smashing, not robots being taken down by this guy. And so kind of to go with Pat, I, I didn't really like the mechanic side of the story. I really didn't care for him too much. So yeah, I'm, I ended up on a seven. Say it loud. Say it clear. Mm-hmm. Jason. I'm thinking I'm with Rick at a seven. I did enjoy this issue. I, I guess I'm kind of with Pat and Rick on the whole mechanic storyline, but I did enjoy the Ratchet piece. There were some good action scenes with Ratchet. 
uh, and the chase with the police officers. I thought that was kind of cool. And then, of course, the memorial for um, Optimus Prime was poignant as well. There was enough in there for me to say this. It's well above average. So seven for me. I'm at an eight. I reading 26 issues of Transformers so far. I know that Bob likes to put some sort of human element in the book. And I know he likes to put a human element in the book, oftentimes to advance the action of the robots. And that's what he did here. Wouldn't be able to tell many discernible qualities in the mechanic. You don't even know the man's name. Just know the mechanic. And you know that this was a guy that probably had his best day ever. And seizing the opportunities that he did, and he was able to give some big crazy robots what fur and was at was the ultimate opportunist in the book. But in the end, it was a character beat of Ratchet kind of getting his head out of his tailpipe and deciding that, you know, he needed to go ahead and get busy living. So get busy dying. And and went ahead with it. What's up, Pat? It's the two opposites of the story. You know what I mean? And they mention that in the book is it's courage. Ratchet didn't have it. At the end, he's got it. The mechanic had it. You know, he thought he was, you know, cock of the walk. And then and then at the end, he doesn't have the courage because he runs from a police car. Yeah. So I and I think you're right. That's in reading these two is Bob's doing that to show you the human side or the personality side of the robots compared to the personality of the human that we can relate to. That's a good point, Pat, because at the end of the day, Ratchet faced down his, his failure and his, his greatest fear. And, uh, the mechanic didn't. Well, dang, I cannot think of a better way to end it. <laughs> that. That was poignant as hell. And well, normally John's here to do Transformer spotlight and like this is the first one like out of 26 episodes this is the first one that uh John hasn't been here and we miss him a lot so i'm going to do this very cobbled together transformer spotlight in honor of John and i won't do it justice i apologize in advance but here it is regardless give me your spotlight ladies and wherever you go ah there you go. Gave you Let a everybody singing. know. Thank you, Pat. You all you, the Pat. world to see. I appreciate that, Jason. Pat, a little bit of Rick. Thank you, guys. I'm going to start talking about the Protectobot First Aid. First Aid is a doctor and hates seeing any machine in pain, even an overheated car. He's compassionate to the injured, but he's also a great fighter. He carries a double-barreled crystallizer cannon to internally weaken enemy structures. And he combines with his fellow Protectobots to form Defensor, which we got to see in Transformers 24. He, his subgroup is Protectobots. His function is a doctor. His motto is an ounce of maintenance is worth a pound of cure. And his alternate modes are a Cybertronian ambulance or a Toyota Hiace, spelled H-I-A-C-E. Apologies if I mangled that pronunciation, but that is an ambulance uh, from Toyota. Strength is a four, speed is a four, rank is a six, firepower is six, intelligence is a nine, endurance is six, courage is seven, and skill is a nine. Other Protectobots themselves, to include First Aid, also appeared uh, in the accompanying Transformers comic by Marvel, uh, although they had a lesser role as opposed to the cartoons themselves. 
In the cartoons, First Aid and the boys appear quite a bit more. And after the death of Ratchet in Transformers the movie, First Aid became the Autobot's chief physician. So there you go. In the comic books, Ratchet's still around, so he's kind of the head guy, but First Aid is kind of his number two. The Protectobots themselves appeared originally in the Marvel UK version of the Transformers comics in a very odd way. They are a part of a dream sequence. And they made a few appearances more in the Marvel run coming up, but I don't want to spoil too much about that. Let's just say they'll be back. Uh, all that information was gathered from two places, neoencyclopedia.fandom.com uh, and toys.tfw2005.com. So thank both of those sites for that. And we'll go to a promo break. In a world filled with movie-themed podcasts, thousands speak their minds, shouting their opinions into the void. Into this terrifying world of sound and noise, a new podcast about movies dares to raise its head. Appearing on the Longbox Crusade Network, in association with Jeff and Eric Present, it is the era of monthly Monday movie muckabout. Listen as people are challenged to see films that they have missed or failed to see. Hear their new appreciation for films from years past. Experience the discussions of film fans. Is the world ready for monthly Monday movie muckabout? Yes. Yes, it is. And cut. Perfect, Jeff. Great. So when are we going to start this show? Um, just me. This is my new show. I thought we talked about this. Uh, then why am I doing your promo? Because in reality, I'm an egotistical puppet master that uses people for his own profit and fame. Huh. Eh, fair enough. Dun dun dun, dun. monthly Monday movie muck about, watch a movie with me. time for transmissions where we heap praise upon the audience for listening to us thank you thank you thank you also we really appreciate all the love and support we get from the show oh my goodness we talked about transformers chronicles episode 24 where we cover transformers issue 24 and i guess people had some things to like share or retweet about it because there are 100 32 names that we are about to read. <laughs> oh, my God. Woo, I hope that you took your vitamins, boys. Here Let's, we go. Here we go. Let's get started. I'll start us off with Aaron Headmoss. Aaron Parks. Aaron Rodriguez. Ahmad Ali. Elvin White. Angelica Fetty Wolf. Oh! Anthony Klasowski. Anthony Perconti. Antonio Silva. Austin Kuykendall. Barry Harris. Bill Michael. I'm blue. You're my boy, blue. Blue. Bob Buster. Brian Bates. Brian Waldow. Carl Howard. Charlton Hero. Christopher Ule. Chuck Freeling. Chuck Rodriguez. The guy downstairs, Clint Good. Robinson, and Coffee and Comics. Comic Reflections. Hmm. Hmm. Conan, the librarian. Dan Stein. Darren Sutherland. Dave Franklin. David Graham. 
David Iwanowicz. David Ronan. Demetric Watts. Derek William Crabb. Don Alexander. Doug Bible. Dr. Ed Footdock. E.J. Granger. Edgar Orduna. Eugene T. Glover Jr. Evan Hatram. Eve the Goat. Fabio Justarero Fabio. Wow, I'm getting all the Glenn Robinsons, because also, from downstairs, Fan Film Friday's podcast. Felipe Cruz. Franco Benitez. Freddy Vega. The Funnest Frontier Podcast. Yeehaw! Jane Hendricks. Gerald Minge. Green Lantern HG. Hal Jordan. Heck Ariala Jr. Hokoff. <coughs> <coughs> Jermaine Maine. James Thorian Shirk. Jamie Johnson. Jared Albrecht. The Yartzelard. Jay Fournier. Jennifer Houghton. Jesse Baker. J.J. Joseph. Joe Negolowski Jr. John Cruz. John Kraus. John Young. Jorge Cardenas. Jose Guzman. Kathleen Bright. Keith Black. Ken Solo. Kenny Cruikshank. Kevin Christopher. Kevin Ma. Lorenzo Batella del Mundo. Luke Ed. Luke Moore. Mallory Brown. Oh my God. Manello Lopez Cavalcante. Like, Manuel. So like, oh, oh, sorry. sorry. I, I kind of put pieced it together with some Cante. He's just flying now. <laughs> right? Manuel Calanete Mendoza. Mario Queneville. Mark DeSimone. The Mark. The Mighty Mark Hathaly. The Mighty Mark Thomas. Matt Large. Matt Zesis. Matthew Bartlett. Max Reads Comics. Max Traver. Morris Colwell. Nelson Fox. Niles French. Pablo de Madeline. Paul Berant. Peter Grimshaw. Philip O. 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 Philip Walton. <clears throat> Philip Hacker. Roderick Curtis. Rene Iturate. Rene Hosford. Richard Edder. Richard Stannard III. Me, Rick Honigan. Rick Raskin. Robert Charles. Robert Lewis. Robert Myers. I know this guy, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> okay. Give, give me just a second here. Good <laughs> luck. <laughs> uh, so, would you like to buy a vowel? Lodium Franchon. Roland Lodium Franchon. Easy for you to say. Rolando Diaz. Ronald Cardwell. Rowley Bot 12000. I totally made up my last one, but I know this one. Ruth Sutherland. Ryan oh. Daly. Sci-Fi Punks Podcast. Did we skip Pat? We skip yeah. Pat. No, he... Oh, sorry. Scotty DJ Restel. Sean Mylan. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Star Screams Therapist. <laughs> I love that, <laughs> that name. That's awesome. At Soundblaster24. <laughs> Terry Gambrell. TFU.info. We got to have Anthony back on. Anthony's awesome. The Hammer Strikes. Geeky stuff and voiceover. And of course, we have the one, the only American Captain Britain fan. 
Tim Price, the Podcrasher. Tyler Nunchuck. That's a cool name, too. <laughs> I hope that's his real name. I'm not familiar with this. Un- unpacking the power of power pack. I've heard the show. It's underrated. Mm. You, you I'm mean, an overrated, uh, overrated, overrated. You mean UTPP? You mean UTPOPP? Uh, you know me. You're not down. You're not down with UTPOPP. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, know me. Who's down with UTPOPP? Ah, we're almost done. Go. Oh, is it my turn? Oh, Bernard <laughs> Jeffries, Vic Sage, Vincenzo De Lucia, Vincenzo Polidoro, Wayne Armstrong. We see the world in bende dots. Wedge cap. And finally, Zachary Carter. My goodness. Mm. Wow. I am proud. That's crazy. 132 likes, shares, retweets. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. So much. Uh, We have a a few comments. Uh, People have things to say. Oh, my goodness. A lot of comments. Oh, my. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Wow. Holy cow. Thank you so much for all this support. We really do appreciate it. Wow. Okay. There are a lot of comments. So like, uh, let's, we can just pick up, pick one. I will pick something, somebody that doesn't comment a lot just for the heck of it. Pat, go ahead. Start us off. Um, okay. I'll just kind of start at the front here then. I'm going to pick one from John and it's John Reed comics. And he says, my son is 12 now, but he saw it when he was six and the tears were real. I want my Optimus prime back. Same thing will happen to me at 44. Understandable. Rick, go ahead. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and do the one from Ryan Daly. And he says, next time IDW reboots the Transformers, every odd numbered issue is the death of Optimus Prime and every even the return. <laughs> Sounds a little cynical, but I'll go with that. Jason. Have you met Ryan Daly? <laughs> maybe, maybe once or twice. I'm going to go with uh, Rallybot12000, who says, I think I'm going to have to download this issue, because after the podcast, I feel it's a 4 out of 10. Maybe reading it will bump that number. I'll tell you what, man. We were all over the place on that. I mean, of course, I homered the heck out of it. But the other commentary from Pat and from Maggie and John was honest. And it was good. I mean, I enjoyed the heck out of even just doing that show. I thought at the end of it, the conversation that we did was great. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that he even wanted to listen and wanted to reread the book as a result of that. All right. I have a comment from MJRJ who says, spoiler alert. And then he shows a picture of a floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. That is funny. Jokes. And true. <laughs> And very true. Let's let's go through at least one more round. I'll take one from John Cruz, and he says, This was done shortly after the movie to reflect Prime's death. Same for Megatron's next issue. Oh, oh, spoiler. Well, you probably already read that. Well, one. at this point, it's not. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, no, by this point. <laughs> we good. We good. I, I'm going to go ahead and take the one that I put in, because I think it fits in well with that one. And right after you guys did the show, I showed my daughter the movie and she is not really turned into these characters. I haven't shown her that many of the, of the um, TV shows, but she looked at me and she wanted to check on how I was doing watching the death scene with her. Cause it was still affecting me to this day. The movie death of Optimus prime still affects me. So there. 
That's yeah, perfectly I reasonable. I, I think I'm still affected in one way or the other. I mean, he turned gray, man. He turned gray. Yeah, there yeah. was. Yeah, that was pretty. Uh, there was no doubt he was D E A D. Oh, you know they have just for Autobots to get rid of that grayness. <laughs> just for bots. Yeah, just for bots. <laughs> just for bots yeah. <laughs> a little bit of turtle wax. A little, little bit of turtle wax. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to keep us going here. I know he comments all the time, but because he comments all the time, I'm going to read one from Green Lantern HG. He's, he's one of our diehard fans here. And he says, great episode, guys. Delvin, that story of your mom and your first Transformers comic was beautiful, man. Every time I hear it, it brings tears to my eyes. So what is death in a comic? A joke? A powerful point that a hero can beat all odds? Keep going. He does one more comment. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he sure does. Oh, still going. Is it that emotional bonding made with a character just to be taken away so we cheer upon their return? And yet... Deaths like Uncle Ben are absolutely necessary. Otherwise, Pete could never be the hero he is. So what is death in a comic? I think death in a comic is a transition, you know? Yep, that's what I was just saying, transitory. Yeah, uh, especially in the comic book world. I mean, it's a lot more, uh, it's not as permanent as it, I mean, yeah, it's a transit. It's a a transformation? Yeah, it is. It's usually at that point where they want to bring the story focus somewhere else besides on that character who died. And what better way if they're completely out of the way? We could go on another round. I mean, we had comments from TFU Info who made fun of me using the word seminal to describe the comic book in a way I'm not going to get into. Uh, We had comments from Kevin Christopher, Greg Epstein, Bill Schmidt. Chad Dobbins, Kevin Ma, and Matthew Laub, all of them talking one way or the other about um, some aspects of either the comic book or the issue itself, how ridiculous or not ridiculous that it was, uh, or it being my first issue and how that might have been an oof moment, but it wasn't. I mean, it, I, I stayed hooked. I was like, no way he's dead. No way. <laughs> And, yeah, and to which even one of them uh, says, hold on, um, dang it, I missed the comment. Give me one second. Bill Schmidt said, game over, man, game over. Which is good. I I, I sympathize with that for you know two reasons, right? Um, right, Rick? Uh-huh, uh-huh. You now know, know where it's from. You now know where it's from. I do now know where it's from. Uh, Sci-Fi Punk's podcast mentioned that it was his first Transformer comic. Uh, ridiculous story, but still a lot of fun. I missed somebody. Somebody hinted at. Oh, here it is. Kevin Christopher's comment said, "Web World or something similar." Prime violates the rules of the game and is destroyed. Well, for a few issues anyway. <laughs> yeah. Dun dun dun. We took we took bets on how long it would be uh, if Optimus Prime came back or if he ever came back, and uh, we had a few guesses. So I don't know. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't. But for now, he's off in space. <laughs> That's right. Space, 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 where no one can hear you scream, but he won't be because he's dead. Anyway. I don't think we missed anybody, but if we did, we do apologize. If we happen to and you have beef about it, let us know about it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we will correct it in the next episode. But for now, wow, I am humbled. I am 
over-the-top impressed at the number of comments that we have. Please keep them coming. I hope someone left a review on iTunes or something for us, too. We'd really appreciate it. That is the show. Please come back and join us for next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 27 where the Dinobots make their return as well as the Titanic Menace of Trypticon. If you'd like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most podcasters to include Spotify at www.longboxcrusade.com, Twitter at Longbox Crusade, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at Longbox Crusade. We have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe. We have a do-it live stream once a month, every second Sunday. Uh, plus, we're dropping additional stuff that's been on Patreon for a while. Plus, Jared does a creator spotlight every once in a while. And we have a new Warriors chronicling called Come Out to Play that I'm hosting myself. So come check us out, please. You can also contact us at contact at longboxcrusade.com if you are the emailing type. Special shout out to the Crusader Club members. If you want to join us, membership starts at $1 a month, and we work hard to earn your buck. We pay our friends to be a part of our show with us. We give you a lot of swag. Hat, where can you be found on the internet? Well, Devin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jason, a.k.a. Leader One, where can you be found on the internet? I'm Dr. Tin, Medicine Autobot. But anyway, I can be found... uh, well, when I'm not hanging out here at Longbox uh, headquarters, I can be found at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrecht on Facebook and Instagram. Just want you to know, you know, we raise our kids to be winners. If we didn't, you know, one will be called Dr. Ten and one will be called Medicine Autobot. Anyway, Rick, thank you for well, coming to the show first. You know, I, I mean, I have to be polite. Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. When I'm not hanging out at the Longbox Crusade headquarters hosting my own movie show called Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, where we talk about movies, you can also find me over at my little show called Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we go through all of the issues of Power Pack, the most underrated series from the 80s, while we drink beer. And I host that with my orange life vest wearing mustache sidekick, who I call Juan, but everyone else calls Jeff. So come on over and check us out. You mean that's on the UTOPP? You know me. <laughs> I, I hear a rumor that, that the power pack power stops. Is that true? No, no, no. We may have finished the original run of the show, but we still have at least another year of content that we have to do, including some upcoming interviews that are going to be really exciting. I just landed two interviews today, so I am very stoked about it. And we've got a lot more content, including Alex's Powers' uh, little sojourn on the new Warriors book, which we will be getting Delvin to help us over with, at least for an episode. Nice. So, so Delvin, what Rick is saying is, it won't stop. It, no, Never. it can't stop. Never. Oh, you can't stop us. You can't mm. stop us. Got it. Sweet. Don't stop believing. Don't stop <laughs> believing. I think we got everybody. So I can be found at Twitter on... Uh, I can be found on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. Goodbye, everybody. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings. To all are one. You all are one. (laughs) 
All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended, and it is for entertainment purposes only. They are just fans that like to share a love of comics. <laughs>